Welcome to Buddha at the Gas Pump, the weekly show in which we have a discussion with people or someone who has had a spiritual awakening. My name is Rick Archer, and my guest this week is Mary Foster. And you'll recognize Mary if you've been watching this series because uh, she and her husband George were my first guests uh, on the first show that I taped back in October. And that show has really sustained this whole concept for months now because uh, by the time you see this, shows will be getting aired regularly, but at this taping in early April, we have still been plagued with technical problems with regard to the software that, you know, I won't go into the details, but we haven't been able to upload the shows as readily as we would like. So, but nonetheless, Mary and George's interview has been on the internet since last October or so, and uh, has gotten well over 600 views and all sorts of discussion and so on. So I really, and, and they came in like the night before they were to embark on a, a trip from Iowa to Seattle and they weren't even packed and ready to go yet. So, but nonetheless they, they came down and I really appreciate your having done that back in October because it's really been the foundation for this whole uh, enterprise. So, um, in the first show with Mary and George, I took a sort of a chronological approach in which we went back to their, you know, adolescence and moved up through to the present, recounting or tracing uh, the stages of their uh, spiritual development. And uh, since we've already covered that ground, I thought we would take a different tack tonight and just focus in on what Mary considers significant now. And knowing Mary as I do and having spent a lot of time talking with her uh, and, and various friends about um, her experiences, there's always something new. There's always some, something going on, some breakthrough, some development. And so I'm sure that a lot has happened since last October. But um, I thought we'd start with what's happening right now. And we'll kind of go into that and expand from that and just see where it takes us. So you've undoubtedly given this some thought over the last few days since we've been talking about doing this interview. And, no, um, I haven't. Okay. <laughs> so where would you like to start? You've been traveling. So um, I guess um, this latest, uh, I, I just can call them openings because it seems that more and more is revealed as, as we live in the physical body. And... Uh, it's, it's been very interesting these last years, you know, almost eight years, that the experiences that I've had, uh, they all have knowledge, obviously. You have an experience of something, and something goes along with it, something that you know, something that you see, something that you understand. And for me, um, it's been a lot of, a lot of crazy experiences, I'll say crazy, because here I am in Amsterdam having fish and chips, and my first bite of fish was not only really tasty, but I'm experiencing the whole life of the fish in my awareness by tasting it. Mm. And I'd had other experiences also with hearing and with sight that the, there's a, a, I can say, a holistic experience of knowing a full range of something. 
So to make that concrete, are you referring to the experience of talking to a sales lady or something on the phone and getting a whole panorama of her yeah, life? Yes, that was that was like, oops, sorry. That's all right. That was the first the first actual experience that I had was with the senses was that um, I was on the phone with a sales lady. Um, Actually, it might have been calling about a, a bill, you know, something right. to do with a cell phone or something. But it was somebody who was in customer service. And uh, as I'm talking to her, all of a sudden, her whole life flooded in. I knew, I knew all the details of her life in one composite sound. And it was like, like she could... Like spanning years? Her of? whole life, from the moment she was born huh. up until right now. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that moment that I was speaking with her, and I'm like, oh boy, she's having some trouble with her marriage. You know, I'm hearing, I'm hearing this right. in her voice. And, I, and for me, because I'd had other experiences um, opening to me with consciousness, uh, I, I wasn't shocked, but I was like, you know, this is something very interesting. Mm. So, so I took that and, and then started having more experiences of that where I could talk to a person and I could, I could basically hear their whole life mm -hmm. in, in their voice. And eventually what happened is it came down to, I, they could speak a sentence then it could be just one word, and then it was just hearing their hearing their breath, and I could mm -hmm. hear the whole, the whole the quality of their life basically, mm. and I don't mean like like uh, picking out every single instance of, of your whole life, It'll you know. Take a whole life just to talk about that. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, but the basic basic the quality, and then a few things would would pop up. A friend of mine said, "Oh, wh what do you hear?" You know, and I said. I can hear that you were, I mean, hearing, hearing an experience is really an interesting thing. So I'm hearing in the voice, and I'm hearing that when this person was young, they were somehow involved with water and a log, and, and it was like maybe life-threatening in some way. So something happened when you were younger. I'm just picking that up. I can hear it. And, and then, of course, it was, oh, yeah, you know. That's I had a log something. roll on top of me down a river bank and I fell in the water and mm -hmm. all that, you know. So it was just different things like that, huh. you know. I can hear the, you know, the, the qualities of joy, the qualities of sorrow, the mm -hmm. qualities of, um, you know, intellect. All of those things are all present in the voice. Has this merely been entertaining or has it had a practical significance for you? Well, I think what it do has done for me is it, it has validated pretty much um, what I already would feel from someone. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, people, there's people that, you know, you've had the experience as well that you don't necessarily care to be around because they're not pleasant mm -hmm. or whatever it is. And so just, just by merit of, of having these feelings, this kind of is an extra validation. Now, this isn't something that's just developed. This has um, been an ongoing thing for, Mm, that's about two years. Mm. So that, that, that was my first experience of, of hearing this. Mm -hmm. And then I had seeing, um, the tasting, the touching, you know. Not, no, not knowing Meaning the what? life of something by touching it. Oh. But, 
but there's this new experience in that this is how it all ties in. So my senses uh, of the physiology, mm -hmm. you know, sight, hearing, taste, touch, smell, all these different things, um, have come together in a new experience for me that's really been quite interesting. I would say it's still in the infant stages of development, which is what happens. That's why we want to take care of our physiology so that we can keep having more and more experiences of consciousness. Once, once you have that initial opening, um, you know, a lot of people don't care about their body. They eat junk. They stay up all night long. They whatever, mm. you know, all this. And I think, I think there comes a point in, in a lot of people's lives, whether or not they're having any experience of opening of consciousness, that you realize that it's important to take care of the physiology. So you do. Then you start resting more regularly or, you know, more rest, more eating, more healthy and so forth, just because you want to live longer so that you can have more experiences. You care about your physiology, you care about your life. Yeah, I had a guy in here a couple months ago who said that when he had his awakening back in the mid-90s or something, he started taking drugs afterwards, you know? And I, I was like, I was thinking oh. to myself, is that a genuine <laughs> awakening? Why would he do that? And he said, and he, his, it seemed to be genuine from everything he said in the course of the evening. And, but it was like, it didn't matter to him somehow. He felt sort of invincible or detached from it or whatever, he could yeah. do whatever he wanted. And, you know, I mean, it kind of contradicts a realization I had, which got me on the path of meditation in the first place. I was, I was 18 years old and I was, you know, taking drugs at the time, you know, as many 18 year olds did in the <laughs> 60s. And I, but I was sitting there and I, it, somehow, several ideas dawned on me, I won't elaborate, but one of the key, one of the key ones was, I am stuck in this body, and if I abuse it, I'm going to be stuck in a damaged body for the next, you know, right. many decades. Right. And so I thought, I better take care of it, you know, because I don't want to be stuck in a damaged body. I better start moving it in the other direction. Right. And that's been kind of a guiding principle. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. Um, so, so by virtue of telling you of this experience of, of the hearing, the sound, um, what's happened is if you saw my first interview with Rick, uh, I did speak about uh, probably one of the biggest openings that I'd had in the beginning, which was um, standing on a porch, everything disappears, everything disappears. I'm there with my senses, you know, my physiology is still there, even though I, I don't see it, I don't see any of the physical world at all, all relative, life. Or hear, or touch, or smell, or... Yes, right. everything's gone. But I'm still experiencing, there's still something there. And I know that what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing, what I'm touching, the whole experience, there was something in that. And it's taken all this time for me to, to kind of come around full circle to that experience again in another regard, and that is that, in a sense, all of that has filled back in. Hmm. And what has filled in for me is knowing the connectedness that all of my senses have with wholeness, with that ultimate reality of what really is, what connects everything to itself. And we experience it through our senses because we have a physiology. Hmm. So, so there is an experience of 
the infinite, eternal essence of reality through the sense of sight, mm -hmm. through the sense of hearing, through the sense of taste, through the sense of touch. Mm. And what I've been, you know, in the, in the infant stages of experiencing is how, how all of my senses connect to the eternal nature of what is. Hmm. So um, how I describe it is, uh, there's many d different ways, but, but it's kind of like all the pieces of this puzzle are starting to fit together, but there really aren't any pieces to the puzzle. Hmm. <laughs> you know, it's just everything's, everything's starting to, to fit. And um, I know that there's what's called levels of consciousness, but really they're just descriptives of along the way to full awakening. Mm -hmm. You have an initial awakening where you realize that you know, you're, you're not just this body. There's something, something <coughs> happens that's a permanent awareness, a permanent shift, like mm -hmm. you've said. And what happens throughout time and experience with the physiology is that you have a broader experience of this truth, mm -hmm. this ultimate truth. So you'll experience um, uh, uh, saying your, your physiology, say, will fill the whole universe. Mm -hmm. That's an experience mm -hmm. that I've had that's common with other people. You realize that your body doesn't stop here, it goes all the way out, goes all the way out, 360, <coughs> you know. And so you're experiencing this with your senses. The senses are your ultimate connection to the reality of experiencing consciousness as full, as whole, and complete without any, uh, any disconnection between anything that is, exists on all the, all the realms of consciousness, all the levels of consciousness, and, and your experience. So, so I'm kind of getting <coughs> That's right, getting up in here, but it's it's um, it's unique in in that for me, what I'd experienced before were just pieces of of this complete connection with all, and this would include you know the celestial realm, the the um, you know the relative, the absolute, the absolute meaning where. The quantum field, say for instance, where all springs right. from, and uh, the the connection that I experience now is different than it was two months ago, a year ago, two years ago. Mm -hmm. So it's it's <coughs> filling in, becoming Probably different than it will be two months from now. Yes, yeah. yeah, because even that the the clarity is what's what's going on now, yeah. the clarity of uh, my connection through the eternal nature of existence. So you've said that in some respect your experience now is still in its infancy. You've used the word infancy. And um, do, you, do you feel then that you are kind of somewhere between your initial awakening and a complete awakening that will probably happen at some point in the future? Well, what I've, from what I've heard from reading, you know, gleaned from reading and speaking with others, um, this is 
This is the beginnings of the clarity that brings you to a final state of enlightenment, mm -hmm. meaning you can now say, yes, I'm fully enlightened, mm -hmm. and, and then you go from there. There is more. There's always more. There's <laughs> right. always, always more. Like, you know? the, like the TV commercials say. But wait, there's more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, there have been experiences where I thought, oh, well, this is it. You know, this mm -hmm. is it. You know, I'm fully, fully engaged. You know, everything. I, you know, I don't know everything, but it feels like I do. And then the whole thing turns inside out into mm -hmm. a whole new experience, mm -hmm. and that's happened to me several times. This is this new, new experience mm -hmm. that I'm having is totally different than anything, of course, again, that I've ever experienced. But there is a connectedness between my physiology, all of my senses, with the whole of creation. Mm -hmm. And I, I know it, I feel it, I experience it. It doesn't go away. It's, it's just, it's always there. Now, before, there was always that awareness was always there. There's an awareness. There's an awareness of, of the self, mm -hmm. you could say. <clears throat> There's awareness of, um, you know, one sense let's, or let's another. Let's probe that for a second. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, because most people, when they say, I experienced this or I experienced that, I experienced a great restaurant, I experienced this great baseball game, I experienced great sex or whatever, they're referring to kind of a, a very localized sense of individuality mm -hmm. that experiences things. Uh, you know, oh, I was at this cool party and I was doing this and I said this to him. They're referring, to, you know, really to a very specific space-time-bound physical entity that they, that they regard themselves to be. When you say, I experienced this unfolding or I experienced that or whatever, what is your sense of I that uh, you're referring to in these experiences? Yeah, I doesn't stop here. It's not mm -hmm. the physical body. So who or what is experiencing the things that you are describing? All of the, all of the physical senses. Which we all have. Which we all have. Yeah. So I experience you okay. with a complete sense of all of my senses. Mm -hmm. it's, it's different than just a, a feeling or a knowing, there's a connection between my sight, my hearing, my sound, taste, touch. All the senses of, the, of this physiology experience you. Mm -hmm. They experience what's behind you, mm -hmm. what's in between you and what's behind you. So, so that, and between what's the physical body that is called Mary is, it's, it's quite abstract, but how I can describe it is that there's maybe what I could say is an embracing of all that is, mm -hmm. that is all of you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and every particle of you and every particle of this table, of your watch, of the space in between us, our physical bodies, mm -hmm. there all contains in it the knowledge of the whole universe. Mm -hmm. So if you could extract any one little particle of consciousness, mm -hmm. you could look into it, and in it you would find all that was, all that is, and ever will be. Like so a hologram. It's, yes, it's, a, it's of the whole, 
the whole existence of creation. And is this your sort of everyday run-of-the-mill experience of everything as you're shopping and driving your car and taking a shower and all that stuff? Is it always kind of in this context? Yeah, there's a totality there that mm -hmm. wasn't ever there before. Um, there was a unification before yeah. where I could feel that I was one with. With is gone. So let's dwell on this again for a second. Um, let's say, I mean, you probably have a fairly good conception of what the average person experienced, uh, experiences life like, or how you experienced it when you were 10 years old or yeah. 15 years yeah. old or whatever. Um, how, let's contrast what you would consider to be the ordinary way that people experience with what you just said. Let's run by it again and, and try to mm. make some contrast and comparison between the two. Okay, well I'm thinking of my grandson right now. Okay. And he's, he's like a just approaching a year old, yeah. Right. And it's all I, me, mine, like that Beatles song. Yeah, George you know? Harrison. Yep, it's, it's all me, mine. And well, all the Beatles actually wrote that. I think George wrote me, it, mine they all it is, it. It's right. my, me, mine. Right. So, so you have that experience where you own everything. Mm -hmm. And that's also, uh, you know, as a child, carrying that into adulthood could uh, typify antisocial behavior where the world is my oyster, it's all mine anyway. Yeah. Well, there's a sense of that. But then, of course, you have the, the psychological boundaries where you know that, you know, this building is not mine mm -hmm. and the streets aren't, but I'm experiencing it. So, so there's, a, there's a kind of a separation, mm -hmm. I think, when... Um, for the average person. For the average person. Yeah. It's, it's just me and everything else. Right. You know, and, and I am this living, breathing thing. Mm -hmm. And some people are so unconscious, in a sense, that they're not even really aware of their body. They're barely in their body. Mm. You hear, you know, even doctors say that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Reminds me of a line from Good Morning Vietnam where Robin Williams was woken up early in the morning to go on that radio show and he's kind of like dragging himself <laughs> in the studio and he said, he said, I'm not even in my body. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're just barely conscious, you know, just functioning, you yeah. know. And, and I think um, I can see that in people, mm -hmm. you know. I can see, you know, somebody driving in a car and they just look like, you checked know. Out. Yeah, they're checked yeah. out. Forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's it, and and for them that's their normal, that homeostasis. This mm -hmm. is this is me. This is you know my name is this, and I live here, and yeah. I you know all those things. And at one point in your life, that was probably your experience, right? Yeah. More or less. Mine, yeah. It was mine, more or yeah. less. I would say. Yeah. And then and then you 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 get this tickle that there's a little more. There's more than there's got to be more than this. You know, there's just got to be. So you experience um, whatever it is that you think can get you to, to open up mm -hmm. or to, to get more. You mm -hmm. know, you want more. I mean, that's a natural state, I think, of a human being mm -hmm. with, in regard to evolution is you just want more. Once you get a taste of it, then, then that's when the seeking really begins, yeah. I believe. You know, you, you have this... And there's hunger for more because it's the natural state of man is to be, you know, fully evolving, conscious yeah. and evolving. Yes, and and I believe that just by merit of being alive in a physical body, some evolution does take place throughout your lifespan, mm -hmm. whether it be two weeks or, yeah. you know, you know, hundred years. <clears throat> so, 
some would say that's why we're here, and, and therefore, mm -hmm. whether we know it or not, that's what's happening, you know? And, yeah. And that's ultimately the sum total of what we take out of this life is whatever evolution we have achieved. Yeah. So we stay healthy and, and we do what we can. Now I think there, for me, uh, it seems that there came a point when through my attention and through my intention, just by, by being aware of those, those two things, that there's just a spontaneous unfoldment that mm -hmm. just occurs. And so I know one of the, one of the things that we've said um, in other groups of friends that we've been in and speaking about consciousness is, is check in on it. You know, is it there? Because I remember those days when I first realized that I was awake, that, you know, you, it kind of like comes and goes, it vacillates, yeah. it's, it's like in the foreground, it's in the background, where is it? And you this know? it you're referring to is, this, is a sort of silent field of awareness. That awareness. That, that um, It's big. Know, it's big. <laughs> and it's silent. And it's subtle, uh, yes. at least initially. And, initially. Um, and so it's easily overlooked if there's a lot of other stuff impinging and it's kind mm -hmm. of in the background, you don't even notice, you forget about it. Right. Yeah. So one of the things um, is, you know, check in, check mm -hmm. in on it and see if it's still there. Yeah. And of course, in the beginning, it's so much fun because you keep checking in, you know. You do? There it yeah, is. Yeah, <laughs> there it is. How about that? It didn't go away. And, and then um, there comes a point when you don't need to check in anymore. It's just there all the time. It's right. a, it's right here, yeah. you know. And, try and, and, and you just look. Yeah, I try and make it go. Away. You look through it. Maybe that's why this fellow was doing drugs, trying Maybe. to make it go away. I've heard people try to say that. They say, "Well, I'm going to see if I can obliterate this." Nope, won't go away. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think. And and funnily enough, I think even through the death of the physical body, it doesn't go away. No. There's just a you know shift from from this level of, of awareness to another. In fact, if the near-death experience people are to be believed, it, it comes to the forefront with the death of the body. It's like, whoa, okay, that's what I am. I'm you know? much bigger than, yeah. than I thought I was. Yeah, a lot of people that have had no prior spiritual experiences of any sort except for, you know, who knows whatever, yeah. you know, have this, this huge opening and right. it's pretty much... Because they're sort of forced through that trauma to disassociate from the body, to break that Mm -hmm. you know, conviction that they are the body. Yeah. You know, well, wait a minute, my body died and, and I didn't, mm -hmm. so I must not be the body. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's great. I'm not the body. Yeah. And, and, you know, there comes a point when you realize that you're not the body, but when you realize that the body is what allows you to experience consciousness, then there's a, that appreciation and, of course, that intention that, you know, here I am, mm -hmm. and, and also there I am. Mm. And then there's, there's a, uh, more of a connection that happens where the senses flood out and fill all levels of, of creation. Mm. And Elaborate you, on that. Well, I remember when I first experienced this, and, and it might be helpful for people to talk about the experiences, even though it's the knowledge that comes with that that is the most valuable. Sure. So, um, maybe about five years ago, four years ago, I, um, I felt something happening in my physiology. Mm. And as, as uh, you may recall, 
usually when there's a, another shift happening for me, I kind of feel it coming. You know, mm -hmm. I c it's like it's kind of like feeling a sneeze coming on. Only it can take days, weeks, couple months, sometimes, mm. um, maybe even longer. This one I'm currently going through. It's been kind of coming like like the the tide. You know, it's coming yeah. a little, coming a little, and right. finally it's coming. But um, I felt something going on in my you know my awareness, and I'm like. You know, trying to trying to feel around somewhere, f see what's going on, and it was stirring. There's stirring going on in my spiritual self. I can feel something's something's changing. Mm, the something's baby's changing. kicking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> yeah. So here I am, pregnant with this experience, right. and uh, I I'm trying to recall. I mean, it's been a while. Lots in between. I recall. I think I woke up in the middle of the night hmm. and everything, all my senses of my physiology were all as though they were stuffed with cotton, hmm. all muted. Everything hmm. was muted. And, and so I laid awake the rest of the night, you know, it was probably two or three hours before it became daylight and I got up and I was walking around like I was in this vacuous quiet, very quiet place. Hmm. And I didn't quite know what was what was going on. New experience. And for three days this went on, all day long, all through the night. I didn't sleep. I also didn't eat. I didn't drink any water. Uh, I had, I believe, two of my girls were at home at the time still living at home. So I cooked dinner, you know, fed everybody, sat at the table with an empty plate. Were you talking to people? If I needed to, yeah. but, but really not. I was so internal. It was right. just amazing. I mean, I was still, yeah, I'm conscious, but something's going on and I'm yeah. not quite yeah. sure. And they all understood, you know, yeah. that, that, you know, something's, something's happening. And I was trying to figure it out. I was trying to grab a hold of it, trying to find it, trying to, trying to understand it. Mm -hmm. And there came a point when I started having an experience of something other than this muted, quiet, silent three days of like, what the heck, you know, mm -hmm. is going on. And I, I felt like I kind of had a visual, you know, thing going on with, with this. I felt like I was standing in the middle of one of these big fissures in the middle of a glacier. Because mm. it was kind of white, it was kind of blue. I mean, I'm having this quality of stillness and total silence. It mm -hmm. must be quiet in there. I don't know if I've ever been in one. Oh, I mean, I haven't in this lifetime, yeah, but, but I've seen photographs right. and that's, that's how I could relate this to, that I was standing in the middle of this. and. And then as I'm realizing that, I started lifting out of that. And, and my awareness was coming up out of that. And when I did, it was like all of my senses became alive again and enlivened mm -hmm. with something new, something different. So this is a whole new experience for me. And as I'm, I felt like coming out of this, you know, coming through, coming out, however it was, 
it was like all of my senses reached through out the whole universe. Hmm. My sight, my hearing, my touch, everything, it was like it all filled in with my senses, hmm. all, of, all of what I could possibly be aware of. Does that mean you're like seeing a lot of galaxies and stuff? Oh and yeah. Yeah, you're yeah. Like floating around? Yeah, total connection with mm -hmm. all of the planets, all of the stars, mm -hmm. all the way out, you know. And I always say all the way out because it's an experience of infinity in a sense mm -hmm. that, that there's a lot more than what we can see. I mean, we know that from Hubble, yeah. you know. Yeah, sure. They zoom in on the a Hubble black deep spot. deep space field, it's like this little tiny point at arm's length and you're seeing, you know, billions, billions of, galaxies. of galaxies in that little point. <laughs> yeah, so it's like that. I mean, yeah. and, and that's still, if you could stand at the furthest most edge of one of those galaxies and do that again, It'd it would more. still, it just goes on and on. And, you know, physicists are, examining this, thinking mm. there's, there's more levels to creation mm. than just what we can see. And sure enough, you know, they'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. They just need instruments fine enough or refined enough thinking that they can actually figure out mm. how, to, how to quantify it. Well, it's interesting because I've always thought of, you know, spiritual development as a scientific experiment in which our scientific instrument is this nervous system, mm. which is a far more sophisticated instrument than any telescope has ever been built if we just knew how to use it properly. And, you know, so you're kind of an example of someone who's really using that instrument to do some interesting exploration. Yeah, because as far out as you can see, you can also see in huh. far. In meaning in small, like teeny tiny mi atoms and molecules, or in, in, a yeah. in a different sense? You can, you can go that way too, where mm -hmm. you can see introspect um, into the physiology. Mm -hmm. And the further in you go, the bigger it gets, which is, mm kind of funny to say, but, uh -huh. you know, the, the space in between the atoms and the molecules is vast. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've seen, you know, films, uh, documentaries depicting that. It's, yeah. yeah. So as you look out into the stars at night, you can look into the body mm -hmm. and go just as far, just as far, which isn't infinite, you know, because yeah. if you take any of the space in between any of those atoms and divide it in half, you can divide those in half and those in half and just keep going that way. It's interesting. I mean, I don't want to get you off on a tangent if you haven't wrapped up. There's, there's a number of beautiful thoughts that keep coming. We could, we could spend like a half an hour on each yeah, one. So, yeah. so feel free to, um, to sort of steer the course as we go here so I don't take you off on tangents if you yeah, haven't really de developed something. Because I, I do have another question. But go ahead. Go well, ahead. should I or do you want to? Yeah, no, go ahead. Okay. Well, my question, it's interesting because, you know, I know you've been, done a lot of meditation over the years and, and so on, done a lot of spiritual practices. Uh, but these days, you know, you don't really do much of any formal spiritual practice, to my knowledge. And yet, this thing has a life of its own. There's like this momentum going, mm -hmm. which is just kind of like uh, automatic and, and very powerful and, and, you know, very significant progress and, and unfoldment is taking place. But it's, it's just like on autopilot now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like I'm constantly in meditation. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's no different. If I, if I close my eyes and do the techniques that I, were, that I was taught mm -hmm. initially, um, it's the same whether my eyes are open or if they're closed. Right. Um, there was a fellow came up to me uh, backstage at one of the shows at mm -hmm. the Civic Center. And he said, I saw your interview. Mm -hmm. And he said it was great. And he said, 
I'm just kind of, I, I've got all these questions, but I don't know what to ask you, you know? <laughs> and I said, well, let me ask you a question. When you practice meditation and you have the experience of what's called transcending, which is becoming aware of awareness, basically, I said, do you transcend anymore? And his eyes just got big and filled up with mm -hmm. an openness. They filled with openness. Yeah. And he said, why no, I don't. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he just, he couldn't say anything. He just stood there and it was like a Mahavakya for him. It mm. was like, oh, I get it. I get it. I, I don't transcend anymore because I, I am. I'm, right. I'm transcending out. I'm aware of awareness here and when my eyes are closed. So it's that, yeah. that experience. I could say that too, but from, and I don't want to get off on a whole tangent about whether people should meditate or not, but in my experience, uh, you know, meditation is still relevant because it's like this kind of really focused healing time. I feel like I'm sitting there and, you know, you've talked about how the physiology, we want to take care of it because it's the vehicle which allows us to unfold all this. I, I feel like I'm just really fine tuning, you know, and devoting some time exclusively to that. I can just feel like, you know, things clearing out in my brain and in, or in my emotional center or whatever, just garbage. And then by the end of it, uh, everything's a lot more fine-tuned, you know. Yeah. It's like an analog radio where, you, you know, you just need to keep turning the dial. Fine-tune it. Yeah, get it right yeah. on the station so there's no static. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously many people that have woken up without doing any techniques, yeah, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Babies in the crib, which I mentioned in the first interview. I mean, it happens. You huh. don't necessarily need a technique. And it's, I've thought on and off that it's just a blessing. You know, you get this, mm -hmm. you get this, this opening and then it just rolls and rolls and rolls. Yeah. Um, well, Amma's a case in point, you know, Amachi, she, yes. uh, in her girlhood and so on, she, she was meditating all the time and doing kind of her intensive practices and stuff. And then at a certain point, it just wasn't necessary anymore for her. <laughs> and, um, but nonetheless, you know, I, I am sure her experience has continued to evolve and oh, unfold, yeah. you know. Yeah. I mean, she's alive, therefore it is. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that connectedness that, that one experiences in a, a higher state of consciousness is really fulfilling. I mm. mean, that's why they call it fulfillment. Mm. There's, there's something there that is it's so beautiful and as gentle as it is it's also very powerful yeah i mean if you're connected with all that is throughout creation with all of your senses you know that means that you're also connected with god mm -hmm. let's or, talk about god a little bit and you also mentioned the word celestial Mm -hmm. Let's talk about those things for a few minutes and you know, what your experience of, describe what you mean by celestial perception or, and also what your feeling or perception of God is at this stage of the game. Yeah, uh, I guess I'll start with another experience that I had that allowed me to understand the celestial realms. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen, you know, different things throughout my life, spirit kind of, you know, coming, going, you know, and not really talk to people about it because um, sometimes it was frightening. Sometimes it was like, wow, you know, look at this. <laughs> and, and then, you know, you know, 
if you've never talked to anyone about those experiences, you're afraid to because you haven't heard anybody else talk about them, right, you know. Think so you're nuts or something. Well, yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> like hi there, you know. <laughs> so, um, so I was in bed one night, and uh, <clears throat> long time ago, recently. Again, about five years ago, maybe. <clears throat> and it felt like something just grabbed me by the by my whole part mm -hmm. and <clears throat> pulled me up. <clears throat> I mean, it was like, you need to see this. Sit up. Did you literally and sit up? I sat then, up. Right. It, well, something it felt like something pulled me up, yeah. and it was wonderful. It wasn't scary at all. And I'm like, and I'm sitting up, and I'm open. I opened my eyes. And I open my eyes and the whole room is filled with all these beings. Mm. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? I mean, this sounds pretty far out, but yeah. it's my experience. Yeah, we should, I mean, people have these experiences. We should talk about them. Yeah, so, so I'm, I know that I'm seeing something here that I'm supposed to know, I'm supposed right. to understand for a reason. You're going to tell us what kind of beings these were? Uh, absolutely uh, benevolent wonderful, beautiful, human-like, human-like spirits, not in real fine detail, mm -hmm. you know? Male, female? Both. Okay. Both. A mixture? Yeah, and it, almost like no delineation between male and female, but the, the, the overall feeling of this one or this one or this one, more male, more mm. female, whatever, but yeah. all very, very present. And, and something interesting that connected me in a, in a sense with understanding the, the celestial realm is that the knowledge that I got from the experience, there's more to the experience than just that, but through looking at this just absolutely packed full and knowing that didn't stop in this room, mm -hmm. the bedroom, it went all the way out again, more this beams. all the way out, yeah, packed full from, from here all the way, hmm. you know, and my understanding was that I couldn't exist without their existence, mm -hmm. but also they could not exist without my existence. They, they're part of, of what upholds and maintains all of creation. Mm -hmm. You know, you hear of the woodland elves that take care of the babbling brooks and the trees right. and the flowers, and yeah, they do. But they also take care of us. Mm -hmm. But <clears throat> by virtue of us just appreciating what is, we take care of them. Hmm. So without them, there wouldn't, we wouldn't exist. And with- And vice versa. Yes, goes both ways. So that was that big tidbit of knowledge that I got from that. Well, were they there specifically to communicate something to you or have some influence on you? Or would it be true to say that everybody, all six billion people in the world, if they could see it, would see a crowd in their bedroom every night? Yep. Yeah. Seems like yeah. there's more of them than there are of us then, you know? There's a whole gang in your bedroom and there's only one of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. it's what it showed me again through that knowledge is the connectedness that, that we have with all that is. It's that, that ripple effect, you could say. If you're laughing, the whole universe is laughing. If mm -hmm. you're crying, the universe is crying. You don't cry alone, is that? popular saying, right. laughing the world Some laughs song, with yeah. you, crying you cry alone, it's right. not true. Huh. 
But it must be that there was something special going on there. They must have been aware that you were aware of them, which oh, yeah, yeah. ordinarily is not the case with people. Yeah, there was an exchange going on, definite exchange that I, I was very aware of. Mm -hmm. And something interesting about it, um, earlier I was talking about how I could take one point mm -hmm. off of the, out of you or the air or the table or anything, and mm -hmm. in that contains the whole knowledge mm -hmm. of everything that ever was is and will be. It's mm -hmm. all there. All the information is in every point of creation. If you can unpack it. Yeah, and that's that's part of that cohesive quality of creation that keeps the planets from crashing into each other even though they do. But, you know, the the thing that that orchestrates all. So, what I understood from this experience was that connectedness of Say, say you're one, <coughs> and there's one next to you, and there's one next to you, and there's one next to you. One what person? One celestial being. Oh, oh they're yeah. all. I see. They're all fully aware of everything that you are thinking, feeling, tasting, touching, mm -hmm. all of that. They're all aware of each other. They're all saying something different. They all have a different job, mm -hmm. but they are all in that same token, like that one little, little particle all aware of each other, all the way out, again. <clears throat> and that's Unlike part people who tend to get more insular, huh? You're mm -hmm. saying that the, they're kind of aware of the connectedness all the time. Yeah, they're aware of each other. So, so a celestial being that is standing next to you is also aware of everyone hmm. all the way throughout the whole celestial realm. They're all aware of each other. Continuously and simultaneously. Yes. That's interesting because, I mean, I remember people asking Maharishi about omniscience and he said, no, you have to have a celestial nervous system to have omniscience. Human nervous systems can know any, any one thing at a time, but mm. if you want to know everything at once, you've got to have a celestial nervous system. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Now, now, even though I consider that experience a celestial experience, I don't believe I have a celestial nervous system. I have the perception to... No, because you to, weren't saying you did know everything. Right. Every, uh, I have the perception to be able to see that and to understand mm -hmm. it. And yeah. it's, it's the understanding that is really the, the strong point of all of it, is, the, is knowing that the connectedness that mm -hmm. any part of my physiology, which also goes all the way out in my consciousness, mm -hmm. My body doesn't stop here, it just keeps going. That, that connectedness with wholeness is fully present always, eternally. <clears throat> so that's why I believe that when the physical body stops functioning, that the awareness that we have is still fully present mm -hmm. and, and just <clears throat> keeps functioning in that regard. The individual might be gone, but the consciousness, the awareness is always, always there. Nothing can destroy it, like Einstein's theory, right. you know? Well, is the individual really gone, or is it, is it just that the individual, the grosser vehicle of the individual is gone, but there's still some subtle vehicle that defines this individual as opposed to that individual? Yeah, the quality. That, yeah, and that, that subtle vehicle maybe gets reincarnated in another gross body later on or something. Yeah, the quality of Rickiness right. <clears throat> will still be Rick after. Yeah. Because there's thought forms that you have, there's energy that you have, 
and that's all all part of that that whole thing that makes you an individual. Well, and also if you think of this whole endeavor of living as an evolutionary journey, where we're just you know acquiring or rising to higher and higher levels of knowledge, understanding, and so on. It'd be a shame if the whole thing just ended with death, and you know it's like what do we do? Start all over again, or is that the end of it, or <laughs> what? It's like you know. They're like a, a cartoon I once saw, the guy was standing on the street looking at a, a sign of a bank. It said, first reincarnation bank. You can't take it with you, so leave it with us until you return. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, we, we take our chips, we cash them in, and we pick them up again next time and keep playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. <laughs> uh, so back to these celestial beings, if, if it doesn't seem to be too you know, tangential. Um, what do they actually do? I mean, you, you mentioned they kind of helped to run the universe, but you made it sound like they, they just kind of stand around in people's bedrooms. I mean, what are they, oh, no. what are they doing on a day-to-day -day basis I to think that, earn that, their keep, so that, to speak? Yeah, I think that whole thing was, you know, they all have a job. They right. all have something, something going on, someone to watch over, mm -hmm. something to do. Um, I think that it was just, you know, that brief moment where I was allowed to understand through my vision mm. um, what actually is going on. Now, it's not the only level of the celestial realms. There's more levels to that as well. Mm. There's the really big guys and the really little guys. And, uh -huh. and there's Have you had glimpses of those? Well, the biggest I've seen has probably been about 40, 40 feet tall, huh. maybe 50. What's the significance of big in this regard? Um, uh, bigger responsibilities. Bigger, bigger jobs, yeah, bigger responsibilities. Yeah. yeah, because, you know, somebody's got to be watching over the galaxy. Right. Or and I imagine that wouldn't be a 40 foot guy, that would be a, a real big guy. Probably even bigger. <laughs> I yeah. can imagine. Yeah, there were, yeah. And, and when I saw those, I was like, I was driving mm -hmm. um, and I could see something up, and it was, yeah. it was twilight, you know, and I'm looking and I, I looked under the. You know, and I'm like, you know, kind of like, and looked again. Mm -hmm. I was like, there's four of them. They're standing there, and it's like, what are they doing? You know, mm -hmm. like they're doing their job. Well, I imagine that a lot <laughs> of these experiences that people report of aliens showing up in their bedrooms at night, you know, could be this. You know, it's not necessarily guys that came in spaceships. It could be that they're tuning know. into some celestial thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, mm -hmm. these weren't weren't guys from spaceships, no. you know, for sure. And um, had I've had more of that where I've seen seen the whole room filled, other rooms that I've been in. Mm -hmm. And you know How about the, nasty ones? I mean if you're in some negative place or something like that, do you ever see the blue meanies or I have, but I don't put my attention there mm -hmm. because what you put your attention on can grow. Yeah. So my general guideline is is if I see anything that is just like a person, you know, that you don't want to be around, you just yeah. ignore them or or whatever. I mean you know, everybody's beautiful in some way. Right. So even these these guys, you know. Um, Only a mother could love. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I guess. But you know, they have their jobs too, and yeah. you know, it's not something that I care to to um, dwell on. Yeah, dwell yeah. on. I can acknowledge that presence just enough to acknowledge mm. it, and then you know, put my attention elsewhere. So it's not, I, you know, I never thought I'd be talking about this. That's right. You never know where these things are going to go. Yeah, yeah Now I'm kind of sure. thinking of Ghost with Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze. Remember that? Oh, that was a beautiful story. Yeah, interesting yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. How about the big guy himself? I mean, how about 
you know, God, who, who, whatever that may be. I mean, what has been your experience so far of that level of creation? It's like, it's like I'm looking, and I think that there's a little recognition, mm -hmm. but not enough that I can say I've looked into the face of God. Right. But I think that's where this heads. Hmm. You know, it's not God consciousness that's different. This is, this is totally different. Oh. And I was going to ask that, because you hear, especially in the TM world, you have cosmic consciousness, God consciousness, unity consciousness. And, you know, you, I kind of used to understand God consciousness as meaning you really actually experience God, you know, whatever God is. So if, if that's not what God consciousness is, what, would, what is God consciousness and what would it have to be to really experience God? I think it's, I think God consciousness according to, you know, our little, you know. TM yeah. cosmology. Yeah, is, is more um, being aware that God exists mm -hmm. in all things, mm -hmm. that he can help to create, maintain, you know, yeah. everything. Not just conceptually, but some kind of perceptually. Maybe not even perception, it's just more of an appreciation, I think, yeah. of of that. Marcia always talked of it in terms of celestial perception, seeing <coughs> kind of the subtle value of the relative world, yeah. which I suppose you're alluding, you're discussing here, I mean, yeah. having these subtle perceptions. Yeah, but mm -hmm. I think it's, um, I've been through that stage. Golden glasses, the whole deal. Yeah, yeah, I've been yeah. through that stage, so that's, this is more complex, more complete, more, um, mm. it's just totally different. Same with, with uh, what we call unity, yeah. you know, that, like I said, the one with. Mm -hmm. You're one with everything, and then the with drops off, and there's just a one. Mm. There's just a oneness. Um, and the experience for me, <clears throat> even though still new, the easiest way I can describe it is all of those points of creation that are full of themselves creation. They're all packed full. It's being aware of all of those, all of that, in terms of uh, wholeness, in terms of a, the whole picture. The whole picture is here, the whole picture is here, the whole picture is here. And I had an experience of this um, probably about seven years ago where um, a lot of my experiences are visual, so I'm, I, again <coughs> meditated, got up out of meditation and I'm sitting there and I see this in my mind's eye, this huge golden egg and I'm like, you know, and it's, and it's floating out in space somewhere, you know, where I don't know. And in a, in a very, very quick, in just part of a second, the whole thing collapsed into one point. Mm -hmm. and, and as soon as it got to that one point, it exploded into billions of points of light filling the whole universe. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm looking at this, and understand, I'm understanding what I'm seeing. Didn't know what, but, but this is how visually I'm, I'm seeing this. And every single point, no matter where I looked at any of these points of light, was the center of the universe. Hmm. So I'm seeing this, and I'm understanding what I'm looking at. So then comes along another um, 
another realization through scientific discovery of the Big Bang and how it happened in like, you know, just a fraction of a second. And I'm like, huh, I think that's what I might have witnessed, you know, huh. a birth of a, of a universe maybe. Not necessarily the one that happened to our universe 14 billion years ago, but... Don't know. Huh. Don't know. There wasn't a calendar along with it. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Interesting. So, so it's hard to say. Yeah. I mean, I suppose that a lot of things happened that you were hard to categorize or clearly define. They're just like these fascinating, interesting things that are developing. Yeah, I'm just but shown this and I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated with it. So I've got um, a strong um, sense of science. I love yeah, science. Me too. So, I'm, so I read the, some of the journals and uh, there's one fellow, Max Tegmark, who I've had a dialogue back and forth with. Mm -hmm. Um, and he talks about the universes being like bubbles, you know, here's a universe and then there's one right next to it and then another one. So, mm. so I wrote to him and I Kinda said... Like frog eggs. Yeah. So I said, how about, how about if all the universes intersect like a Venn diagram would? Mm -hmm. Venn diagram is, um, it's used in logic, but it's also used in science where um, here's a whole universe, say, and mm. you, you represent it by a circle. And here's another universe represented by another circle. Well they intersect somehow, somewhere, they, they all intersect with each other, all the universes that are possible, mm -hmm. however many that could be. So, um, I, when I wrote back to him, you know, I said, I proposed that to him, I said, how about if they all intersect, that's my experience. You know, I'm walking through many universes all at once, including my own, that, mm -hmm. I'm, that I'm aware of on this level. And, he just didn't know what to make of it. Hmm. So he's thinking about it, okay. you know, he's huh. thinking about it. So I'm wondering if he'll come up with some hypothesis of, you know, multiple universes that actually intersect with each other instead of just, yeah. you know, don't, they don't interact with each other. I believe that they totally interact. That's my experience anyway. Whenever you have an ex a new experience, um, do you feel an imperative to try to figure out what its significance is for you? Do you feel like there must be a reason I'm having this and it's my obligation to, you know, figure out what, you know, come up with that reason mm -hmm. to understand why, why I'm having this? Or do you sort of feel like it's sufficient to just say, well, that's cool and kind of move on to the next one? Well, it's like when I have an experience, I know there's something that will become clear to me mm -hmm. either during the experience after the experience or you know at some point down the road I'll go oh yeah I understand that now because mm -hmm. of another experience that I have or an understanding that I'll have and I think these days pretty much what happens is I have an experience and at the same time I understand it and I have knowledge with it it's all together in it all one happens at once. yeah it all happens yeah. at once so I'm not wondering yeah. you know what's and that just this? happens spontaneously you don't have to work at it Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just understand it. Yeah. Now the hard thing for me, because I'm not intellectual to the point where, you know, I can write better than I can speak. Mm. That's, it's always easier for me to write. So I write a lot of things down mm -hmm. and through that I get a clearer understanding. But the clarity that I have, excuse me, um, pretty much is there along with the experience. Now being able to, to get it into words, you know, yeah. I have this huge experience going on mm -hmm. 
and to try to vocalize it for me sometimes is very difficult. Mm. Um, You're doing okay here. It's a thanks. good practice to try, I think. Oh yeah. I, yeah. I mean, this what's been going on now for the last several weeks. Um, it's probably been maybe a month and a half. I mean, that's the thing. The time time is just kind of erased yeah. in a sense. But um, I did write it down briefly. And with writing it, then my understanding gets more clear. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the, the experience is fully there. I've got, I've got this awareness. I know, I know what it is. But then I'm trying to tell you, I'm trying to describe it to you mm -hmm. in words. And maybe if I read all sorts of Vedic texts or something, I could say, oh, well, it's this and this and this. Right, this yeah. and, and you, you understand that intellectually or you experience this. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't, I don't have that. Yeah. So, well, it's fun to. I mean, I was thinking that a few minutes ago when you were talking about sort of different stages and levels and so on. I was thinking there is there is a natural tendency, at least in me, to want to kind of categorize things. Want to know where you yeah, are. Yeah, exactly. What's going on? You know, I mean, what <laughs> what's the whole realm of possibilities, and where am I? At oh, what boy. stage am I on that on that you know pr on that progression? Yeah. And you know, personally, I I couldn't say, but um, it's. But there have been, you know, for thousands of years, there have been people who have dedicated their lives to trying to create that roadmap. And it's, and you know, but it's funny because different cultures have created different roadmaps and people have made attempts to try to inter intersect the roadmaps to figure out, you know, to what extent they correlate and correspond. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and then there are people who say it's a whole new ball game, you know, and that the Enlightenment of 2,000 years ago is not totally adequate to uh, explain what's happening now in this postmodern culture. Oh, you know, I don't know about that. I don't know. I think it's. I think they're talking about the same thing. If you read um, Rumi, if you read um, Nisargadatta, I mean, all these. I yeah. mean, some of them are older. I mean, even even Socrates, Plato. You know, mm -hmm. they would allude to consciousness in in a way in their writings, and if you have. If you have that consciousness, you can see it right away. You can go, "Holy cow! Look at that! Look at yeah, that!" That's you know, what I'm saying, yeah. they're alluding to that, but but maybe their experience wasn't clear enough to be able to really vocalize it. You know, or the translator's experience wasn't very clear. That's true I, you too, because all this stuff is filtered through translators who may have haven't a clue what the guy yeah. was actually talking but about. But you can get a taste of it, and, and it's funny because I can read. Uh, passages in books, or pick up a book and leaf through it, and, I'll go, and, and it's about uh, you know being awake, you know. And I'll read it, and I'm like, whoever wrote this wasn't awake, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you can just you yeah. can just tell, like, you can feel it, right. you know. And and uh, it's like this is not truth, you know. This is mm. this is speculation. This is intellect intellectualization, you know. And there's plenty of that out there. So, um, but there's also plenty of truth out there as well. Yeah. Seek and you shall find. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And I'm, you know, been raising kids for, you know, the last 20 some odd years. So, um, you know, my time to read has been very brief. Right. So even though that goal was always there, you know, um, when I finally started awakening, you know, my children were very, uh, very excited about it, you know, because yeah. I was telling them all about it. It's like, Okay, I'm going to tell you because you need to know this because you might be experiencing it. And sure enough, you know, mm. 
Cool. So you're saying you you have three daughters, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and they're all pretty appreciative of, of what you have to say to them. Yeah, it's kind of neat because two of them are looks like they're awake, uh -huh. and we talk about it. And one of them's having really wonderful experiences, and she says, "Mom, it just keeps getting bigger and more," and mm. and you know, and she's all excited about it. But she's in school right now college mm -hmm. so she doesn't have time to really think about it doesn't have time to talk about it much she's just is focused on her studies which is what I want her to be yeah but when she comes home you know we'll take some time to ourselves mm. and and we do talk and it's really wonderful Maybe we should have the two of you on or the three of you sometime oh that'd be fun that'd be, that'd interesting. be fun yeah they're pretty shy about it though yeah yeah I know. and you know they're in in their own lives and experiencing and for them mm -hmm. it's a natural mm. state so what's there to talk about? This is who I am. I know who I am. Blah blah blah. You know, like yeah. That. But there is a lot to talk about if you if you kind of unfold it. I mean, there's a whole kind of group of people in the spiritual scene oh, these yeah. days, who um, well, what I was gonna say is there's a whole group that sort of say, I mean, they talk endlessly, but they also they all talk, they always talk about the one thing, which is just basically you wake up, and after that, you know, there's nothing more to say. And all this talk about progress and strata and you know and further development and all that is a crock because it's all all there is to it is you know who you are and that's the end of it. And you know personally, I find well, how can they say that? You know, are they stuck? I mean, because I know so many people uh, who for whom there's this continual unfoldment, even though they've clearly experienced what these folks are talking about. Uh, but that's mm -hmm. like the foundation. Yeah, a lot of people. Uh, wake up and they get so excited and they get so engrossed in that mm -hmm. that that's that's where they they kind of they plateau out there yeah and there's almost this arrogance actually that is dismissive of people who do talk of further development and strata it can and, happen and higher and lower and this and that and you know it's like because they, they there's this sort of fundamentalism or this sort of attitude that you know we've got the answer here and this is all there is to it and anything else is just complication people are just indulging in you know yeah and and then maybe maybe or maybe not they'll have you know further openings for the development but i i understand where you are i've i've heard you know and seen videos of others you know and it's yeah. just like you know i wish for them that you know they have have more fulfillment you know they they think that's fulfillment but oh boy you know <laughs> there's a lot and the the really cool thing about that that i'm reminded of um to mention again is that people have your phys you have a different physiology than me i mean obviously you're male i'm not male <laughs> female and so that's, that's the beginning of the differences in our physiology. Well, then there's also the subtler levels of your physiology that can maintain a certain level of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And based on that physiology, your experience of consciousness can be totally different than mine. Mm. But then there's those common little threads. I mean, I've had some experiences that people say, God, I wish I had that. Mm -hmm. But then I'll see other people or talk to other people that are having certain experience that I would love to have as well. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that that I have to have that in order to be fulfilled. But I'm I'm looking at it like that's really cool, you know, that would be that would be pretty neat. But yeah. you know, but I'm I'm satisfied with what I have and what I know. And if it stops here, that's fine. I've said that all along, you know, if mm -hmm. it stops here I'm fine, but I know that it doesn't, mm -hmm. and for me at least, that progression just continues. And I think the important thing is, again, 
that intention and the attention to mm -hmm. your experience. Because if you take your eye off the ball, you know, it doesn't keep rolling. Yeah, I mean, if you get totally caught up in other stuff, uh, then, you know, it, it sort of atrophies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I just went through, um, uh, I wouldn't call it a, a health problem, but my physiology was, was doing something that mm -hmm. uh, wasn't allowing me to have a full experience of yeah. what I knew that I was having. So, you know, I took care of it. Yeah. Know? took a few months to straighten things out and get everything cleared up and, and fine. And now, mm -hmm. now my experience is deepening and broadening continual, mm. continually. And I think that, you know, with, with my awareness now of the attention and intention, that it, I'd be surprised if I didn't continue to experience more, more knowledge, mm -hmm. you know, more connection with on the other hand, you know, it's like we're all going to get old and, you know, we may have strokes or we may get somewhat senile or whatever and eventually we're going to die. And <clears throat> I don't find that discouraging in, this, in light of what you were just saying about needing to have a, a finely tuned physiology because, I, I don't know, maybe it's just a belief, maybe I'm just optimistic, but I, it's like I was saying earlier, it's like, <clears throat> you know, you're putting money in the bank. Mm -hmm. uh, as you as you grow in, in consciousness or in spiritual development, and even if this ve this vehicle no longer be is up to the task, you know, at a certain point, 80, 90 years old or whatever, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's an ongoing journey. I, yeah, I, I really feel that. I mean, it's you know, I mean, there are many cultures which have said just that, uh, and others would dispute it and say, oh, you're just you know. It's a, you're just fantasizing, you're just, it's just wishful thinking because you want to have a sense of uh, immortality. But um, I don't know, for me there's a kind of a certainty mm -hmm. about it that actually in a way it, it eliminates fear of death and fear of aging and so on. Yeah, I mean I think, I think no matter how developed you are spiritually, because you're human, because you have a physiology, you, you do have a fear of death. But not, yeah. but not I mean, it's the self-preservation that, that would kick in, you know? Yeah, I mean, if somebody came into the room with a gun, we'd be, our, our adrenaline would start to of go and, and so on and so forth. But in, in terms of the, the, you know, in our calmer moments, the bigger picture things, some people, you know, have a dread in their calmer moments because if, if they think this is all I am and this is going to end, then, oh my God, you know? I mean, I, I, was, I remember reading once that Raymond Burr, who played Perry Mason, mm -hmm was so afraid of death that on his deathbed he, he forced himself to sit up for several days and, and not allow him because he was... Because he did want to die. Well, he did, probably hastened it, but he, you know, he didn't, he was fighting it because he was terrified of, of you know, letting go. Yeah. Whereas, you know... I've been through that. You personally? Mm-hmm. When? Yeah. Um, when I was probably in high school. Yeah. You know, I'd get these fear rushes like, oh my God, one day I'm not going to breathe anymore, you yeah. know? And that was the localized self, you know, just yeah. saying, ah, you know. But I've heard it said, you know, by various spiritual teachers that, you know, if you're, <clears throat> if you sort of dealt with this whole thing in the right way, impending death can actually be a joyous occasion, you know, rather than a fearful one that, you know, because you're actually sort of moving on in, in the adventure to a whole new mm -hmm. phase. It'll, oh yeah, I mean, to to be relieved of the mortal coil, you know, I've. Um, 
I've read uh, one person's experience just quite recently. Um, was at my father-in-law's house celebrating his 91st birthday, mm -hmm. and there was a, a, a book that uh, was on the bookcase about um, near-death experiences, and uh, it's funny that I read exactly what someone had told me about. Someone was in Europe, got food poisoning, just mm -hmm. so sick, they couldn't even, couldn't even raise their hand up to reach the telephone to call somebody. Wow and they knew they were dying mm -hmm. and they couldn't do a thing about it mm. so they died mm -hmm. left the body went zooming off and you know did did the whole thing out there with uh going to the light and, light and yeah and, and seeing relatives that had passed before and all this but then there was a point when you're kind of told to no you're not done you have to go back right well, this person's experience and the person's experience that I read was that coming back into the physical body was like crawling back into a cold lump of clay. <laughs> you know, so, so the freedom that yeah. we have without the physical body is very uplifting. You know, um, so often I've heard when people are at that moment when they're leaving their physical body, they smile mm. they you know they're they're happy they're free you know yeah. and and it shows it shows in the face mm -hmm. so um or severe and a lot of pain i don't know if that's the case maybe could be a relief yeah i mm. haven't haven't attended anyway we could go on for another hour trying to understand what you mean like your body fills the universe because people are going to say what does that mean her liver's on the moon or something I mean, <laughs> it's an awareness in, yeah. and it's all it's all tied into awareness what you're aware of so when i say my body fills the universe it's because i'm aware that my body fills the universe in that sense of um, no my liver's not on the moon my liver is actually everywhere mm. and uh, uh, i recall um, other people uh, could see inside their bodies, mm -hmm. you know, and I thought that that's really interesting. I'd like to see inside my body. I've seen inside other people's bodies, mm -hmm. but not ever my own. Hmm. And um, several weeks ago, um, I was out walking the neighborhood, and I I was looking inside my own body hmm. for the first time, and I was like, this is really amazing, you know, seeing seeing. This will help. This will help explain this um, connectedness. So I'm seeing what I'm looking at is one of my bones, mm -hmm. and I'm realizing now oh, that's my bone. It was my femur. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking at it, and I'm seeing it just as though I'm looking at a, a movie of it. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing it. I'm seeing how it how it functions and so forth. And then I'm realizing that it's bathed in this golden light. It's almost like syrup on top of the bone. Hmm. But then it's also strands, if you look closer, strands of light, and here they are, and if you look closer, little particles of light. And, and this energy, this connectedness, is what I'm talking about that allows everything to exist. It holds it together, it, it makes it cohesive, it makes it understandable, it makes it knowable. Hmm. And so, an analogy I was just thinking of that might help explain it a little bit is here's a string of beads mm -hmm. and they're all part of a necklace. Mm -hmm. But imagine if these 
this string of beads could expand into an infinite number of strings of beads, but still all part of the same necklace. Mm -hmm. Every bead is part of this necklace. Every, without one bead, it wouldn't be a string of necklaces anymore. So that bead's always there. It has a placeholder in mm -hmm. the strand, <clears throat> and without it, it's not a necklace. So how I experience consciousness is that everything fits perfectly. Like I was saying, it's a puzzle with no pieces in mm. a sense. Is that it all fits together perfectly, perfectly orchestrated. But the bead that's at the end of this necklace knows about the bead that's the third one up on this necklace. Mm -hmm. And so on and so forth. All the beads are aware of each other. They are, are we the beads? Is that what you're saying? Particles and, and of so us particles of us, and, yeah. but then there's six billion of us on this planet and so on and so forth out, and so you're saying that the whole thing is like one huge giant interconnected, you know, it's like arrangement a, of beads and... Yeah, and each one of those beads could be one particle. Mm -hmm. So, you know, at the, on the tip of a, of a pin, there's six billion particles or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, and each one of those particles is aware, each one specific particle is aware of every single other particle that exists and they are in total communication with each other as well hmm. because each one contains all of the knowledge of creation. Hmm. And so you're saying that that is in reality the way the universe works is that every little particle of it contains the whole mm -hmm. and that if we can sort of be attuned to that then we can sort of have the whole knowledge of creation in everything that we perceive and everything that through our senses yeah yeah, yeah. Hmm. so that's that's part of my experience that's what's what's going on is that understanding and that knowledge of how <clears throat> how my senses relate to <clears throat> all that is cool so, so <laughs> yeah it's a mouthful that's great well, I think that might be a good place to stop. They don't like us to make these interviews too long. No, it's they have been to... five minutes, hasn't it? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we'll do it again because, you know, the, you know, the nature of your ex the way you're going on, it'll be like appropriate every six months or, or whatever to, to do another one and see, see what's yeah. happening. You know? Yeah, I'm fully expecting that, again, everything will turn, turn around inside out or broaden out or something. Yeah. There's always something going on. And you know, sometimes there's periods of time where it's like something will happen and then you just have a homeostasis, you know. Right. And I think I think what happens is based on that, based on what you're aware of, based mm -hmm. on your physiology, mm -hmm. the physiology of the senses, there's a fine tuning that's going on. Mm. And as that tuning goes on, then you're able to maintain and sustain more awareness. Uh -huh. um, I think that initially when I had this huge opening standing out on the porch and everything disappears, mm -hmm. if my physiology mm -hmm. would have been able to sustain that, it would have been integrated at that time into my awareness. Right. And, and But it wasn't. And, and knowing, so, no. No. And, you know, my physiology has these vibrations that go on. Yeah and I'll feel them, I'll be aware of them, and that's one of my signals, my personal signals, that I know something's happening. Mm -hmm. It's like I'm getting tuned up like a tuning fork. Something will bang against me and, 
and then my whole vi the vibration of my body changes. Yeah. So I, well, I think it works that way on all levels of the body. I mean, I'm, I'm doing this program, there's a website called 100 Push-Ups, and it's this training program where you work your way up to being able to do 100 push-ups. And you don't, you don't just kind of do as many as you can. You do a certain number, and then you rest, and you do another number, and then you rest, wow. and then you skip a day, mm -hmm. you know, and then, and, and then you print, you know, when you, when you complete everything for week one, you print out week two, and you, and you go through that. And, but there's this rest and activity cycle that mm -hmm. enables your muscles to sort of acquire the ability to do that. And I think the same is true of our spiritual muscles, you know, or, or the nervous system yeah. in, in its ability to reflect the kind of things and stabilize the kind of things you've been talking about. You know, it naturally goes in, in stages of progression and, you know, surges and then integra right. integration and then another surge. But most people seem to experience it that way. Yeah, and that's why we don't meditate continually. Yeah, 24-7. I mean, some places they do because that's their... Yeah. Your choice, but um, yeah, I think you need the the activity to stabilize what's already going on in your body, so that mm -hmm. you can just keep that equilibrium going on. Yeah, it's important actually. Yoga star Karu Karmani, <laughs> established in yoga, perform action. action. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, this has been interesting. You know, I I way in the back of my mind, since you said you know I'd like to do another interview. I guess I've kind of been thinking about it, but I really haven't. I just thought whatever whatever comes up, it'll yeah. just come up. And I know that it might be a little far out for some people to hear, yeah. but... It makes it interesting. But that's just the tip of my iceberg. Yeah. I've got so much stuff that's happened, and, and um, you know, as, as it becomes more clear, you know, I'll share it with yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I mean, one person's far out is another person's mundane. So... Um, for sure. I feel like, you know, people should just say as much as they're comfortable saying and you know for some people it might be a stretch and for other people it might be elementary but you know it's just like it makes it interesting to have a whole different story told every week yeah well i figure if i can help just one person understand what they're experiencing done oh yeah well there's a whole gang that you know are really into these interviews and i suspect it'll grow but uh, you know, this chat group where there's all sorts of conversation going on all the time, and mm -hmm. and uh, there's a blog called BatGap.com, which is an acronym for Buddha at the gas pump. Mm -hmm. And um, as a matter of fact, if if anyone uh, listening or watching this, listening to this or watching this, has a question for Mary, you can post it. Each guest, when I when they do an interview, has their own little section on BatGap.com, and Mary will have a section. And you can go into that section, and then there's a place to post a question or to have a discussion about what, what she was talking about. So, you know, if anybody posts a question, I'll alert you, and you can go in there and respond yeah, to it. Yeah, you'll have to because... Yeah, I'll let you know. Yeah. And you can go in there and respond to it. And, uh, but this is the case for all the 16 or so interviews that we've done so far. So feel free to go to backgap.com, and you'll also see there um, links to other shows that you might find interesting, other spiritual-type interview shows, and... Uh, links to various other things. There's, there's sort of a number of different tentacles to this octopus. Well, I'm glad you're doing this because I think, I think by interviewing different people who obviously have different experiences, I was going to go through and, and look at all the interviews, you know, mm -hmm. and I started looking at one and I went, no, that's their experience and they can have their experience. Yeah. And so I didn't want it to mm -hmm. flavor mine at all as far as what I would bring up or say. Yeah, no. I mean, everyone should just tell their own story, and uh, yeah. you know, we're all sense organs of the infinite, and it would be really boring if you know, it wouldn't be God's style 
to, to want every single sense organ to be perceiving things exactly the yeah. same way. Let's all like, talk about the same oh, thing. Hum. Yeah. yeah, where you have all the same questions for everybody. You know, what, what's your favorite color? What's your yeah. favorite food? You know. I tried using a standard list of questions for a while and asking the same questions to, to every guest. It's difficult. It got boring after difficult. a while. I had to yeah. stop it. But anyway, so this has been great. And uh, we'll do it again. And thank you to those who are watching or have been listening. Uh, and stay tuned. We'll keep doing them. And uh, you know, get involved if you have, feel like you have questions. And there's, there's various ways of watching this, podcasts and, uh, and so on. You'll, you'll find all that on badcap.com. It's too much to say every week. And uh, you'll see some uh, information about that in the titles as they roll. Or if you're just listening to this as an audio, all you need to do is go to batgap.com and you'll, you can use that as a springboard. So thanks a lot, and we'll see you next week. This has been Rick Archer at Buddha, uh, on Buddha at the Gas Pump speaking with Mary Foster.